Hello, and welcome to Public Key, the podcast from Chainalysis. I'm your host, Ian Andrews. Israel might have the highest per capita number of cybersecurity companies of any country in the world. They're also fast becoming an epicenter of the crypto ecosystem. And of course, there was big news recently when Israeli authorities seized millions in crypto from terrorist organizations. I wanted to get a better understanding of the local market. So in this episode, I have the pleasure to speak with Yossi Bitton. He's a partner at KPMG Israel and head of their Forensic and Compliance Services Group. Yossi explains how cultural influence and government programs have contributed to strong cybersecurity industry in Israel, and the technical overlap between that and blockchain has led to a jump into the crypto industry. We talk a lot about the regulatory environment in Israel and abroad, and Yossi emphasizes the importance of regulatory clarity and the need for companies to show up and comply with anti-money laundering and other compliance measures. But he believes ultimately that smart contracts, digital currencies, and DeFi are the future of finance. Oh, you might be interested to read our recently published article on the history of cryptocurrency related sanctions designations. It's kind of amazing to think that we've gone from only two addresses being included on the sanction list way back in November of 2018 to today where we have thousands of crypto addresses that cover exchanges, mixers, darknet markets, and illicit actors. The link is included as always in the show notes where you can find the complete blog. Today, I am joined by Yossi Bitten, who is the head of blockchain and cryptocurrency at KPMG based in Tel Aviv. Yossi, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ian. Thank you very, very much. Good to be here and thank you for having me. Now, we've had quite a few people who are founders from Israel. Crypto seems to be a booming industry from my distance. But as as I mentioned in our pre-show warm-up here, I've actually never been to Israel before. It's one of the places near the top of the list for me to go travel to and experience. Maybe for our guests, who I, I imagine many of our listeners are similar to me, have never had the opportunity to be there in person, paint a picture for us about the state of blockchain technology, cryptocurrency in Israel. What What's going on right now? So first, for those who never been in Israel, definitely it's a place to be. Like people that like to party, good beaches and good vibes. Tel Aviv definitely and Israel in general is the best place to come. And we love to host people outside of Israel. Everyone is always welcome. And I think in Israel in general, like the tech industry and everyone knows that Israel is a tech center, is a tech hub. And blockchain and crypto is not different than that. We have a very, very strong and a lot of different type of blockchain and different type of technology and different type of use cases. Here in Israel, you can find from crypto companies that do only trade, buy, hold and very general stuff in any other places around the world. But you can also find lots of cyber companies that specialize in crypto like cybers and other good companies. Well, cyber, it become to be very trendy now, especially in, in the blockchain space. And Israel is very well known is in their cyber capabilities. And in blockchain, it's the same, basically. And we are also technology for lightning and other solutions you can find here in Israel. So it's a good place for blockchain companies to develop themselves. And I feel like we have a very strong industry. We recently published a research that we done on the blockchain industry here in Israel. And it was a amazed to find out the number of global companies that started the way in Israel. We have Fireblocks and eToro are the most famous ones in, in the industry. And of course, there are others like Coindesh, Coindesh and Cody, very good and well-known companies. So I think for 
question yeah we have a very strong industry and it's still kicking like we see a lot of movement and developing in this space you know it's amazing for a, a country of relatively few people I feel like Israel has the highest concentration of tech founders of any country I can think of and so I've always wondered you know is it cultural influence is there some sort of almost government program that encourages yeah, people to definitely. become founders because it just I can think of maybe a hundred companies that I know where the founders we've had a few on the podcast are Israeli so there's something special I think about the <laughs> the tech ecosystem that's that's happening there so definitely it's a combination like there is a government plan to bring more people to the tech industry but i can give you an example my nephew like she just recently finished her survey in the army she was an 8 200 in technology and the first thing she did like after the army like it's to start a new startup that's the first thing she she wanted to do not to travel outside of israel or not something else i think it's something cultural yeah. started to be more and more that lots of people want to be part of the journey and part of the process of to do the first exit or to have your own tech company or to have some kind of influence on the world. You know, 8200 for people that aren't familiar is a famous military unit inside of the Israeli army. And so many companies have been founded by alumni of 8200, <laughs> which is kind of this, this technology unit. I think many of the cybersecurity companies that people are familiar with draw their roots back to, to 8200 on their founding path. It's been interesting to me when we start to talk about cryptocurrency, the cryptography part of cryptocurrency, I think there's something that lends itself particularly well to some of the training that people have in, in military service. Going through organizations like 8200, you're doing a lot of work around cryptography and network security that kind of sets up a lot of the technical capacity to launch a project or a product into the blockchain space. Definitely. And not only that, but also intelligence capabilities that it's very important to the uh, blockchain world, especially around financial crimes and forensics. So I think the skills that they are getting in those special units, it's the best school you can get, like three years. That it's only you're using the IN technology and you're exposed to real issues, like really heavy issues that I don't think any kids like 18 years old around the world is dealing with. So it's giving you a lot of skills to the real world and to influence or to think about solutions that are for more simple troubles or more simple issues, but you have a very good solution to deal with them. So definitely not only cyber, but also data analytics and AI. The army is creating a lot of good people to have a good influence on the tech industry and globally, not just in Israel. And that's, I think, one of the reasons you can see a lot of startups and tech companies are not serving the Israeli market, but very fast going outside. Israel is kind of a sandbox, not more than that. <laughs> I would argue it's more than that, but I'm curious. So you've been at KPMG, I think, most of your career. So I'm fascinated. I mean, KPMG, I'm sure everyone listening has heard of the organization before. Global consulting practice, world-renowned. What's the climate inside of KPMG right now when it comes to cryptocurrency? Is it skepticism? Is it embracing it? I know when you and I had the opportunity to meet in Budapest, you were busy flying all over the world to get involved in, in different types of projects. But I'm curious, Definitely. you know, what does the rest of the company think about the world? 
work you're doing? So probably, as you know, KPMG, like it's a group of subsidiaries. So we have around 150 different KPMG firms around the world. So the culture and the risk tolerance differ between different jurisdictions. But I think there is a curve, like the firm is much more open to do project and to serve the industry. It's not something we had in the past. So in the past, you're right, definitely, like most of the other big firm and many other traditional institutions were very skeptic about the crypto industry. But definitely on the last two or three years, we can see more opening to the crypto industry. And we have a variety of different clients and we can see that around the world. So we are working with the US, we're working with Norway, we're working with Spain and France and Singapore. And some of those places and Canada, of course, and some of those places didn't add tolerance in the past. And we found ourselves quite behind the other big four in anything that relate to crypto services. But I think now we're definitely in a good place, like the amount of projects and the size of the projects and the variety is becoming more and more every day. So I'm very pleased where we are now in this ecosystem. And I think it's a journey also for us to understand, like we started our journey in crypto in 2020. But before that, I think we didn't add enough clarity from regulators for us as a KPMG with a huge a huge advisory firm to provide services to areas that the regulator is kind of skeptic or don't say any sound what he think about this industry, especially in Israel. Lots of the regulation and lots of the sounds that we are hearing from regulator came only on the last few years. And it's feeling, making us feeling much more comfortable providing services to this industry. I'm curious, when you talk about regulatory clarity, drill in on that a little bit more. Like, what are the things, because I think people use that term a lot, and I'm not sure that everyone (laughs) means the same thing when they say it. I suspect there's some people in the crypto industry who, when they say regulatory clarity, what they really mean is a set of rules that allows them to operate their cryptocurrency business in a fair and legitimate way. So they don't want clarity that says, hey, digital assets are illegal, and you you can't run an exchange business, for example. Like, that would be probably not what they're looking for. But I would imagine KPMG sitting in an advisory position, maybe you're working with some of the governments directly on helping them shape regulations. You're also working with crypto businesses and and folks who are looking to enter the space. What does Clarity look like for your organization? So definitely the understanding that anything that relates to crypto and put aside regulation for a moment, if it's regulated or not, I think we are in a place that we are not asking ourselves if it's legal or not. So we are not in that question. Definitely we had a lot of discussions with different bodies, governmental bodies here in Israel, tax authorities, Bank of Israel, the Israel Security Authority. So the understanding what is legal and what is not, definitely it's not there. But if we want to understand understand what type of regulation you need to impose over yourself or if you need to be licensed or not. So for example, if we have a crypto exchange company that asks for our services and if the services is involved traditional companies together with the crypto or more uh, innovative companies, we want to make sure that our clients, the traditional clients, are doing business with other companies that are licensed or regulated. And we don't want to be in a position that in the future, someone from the regulator will come to our traditional clients that used to do everything 
by the book and tell them you shouldn't provide the services that you are providing, that can cause a lot of reputational issues to our clients, financial damage, lawsuits, other stuff that we can imagine. So we want to make sure that we're doing things in the right way. Some of the time it's very slow and it's not because of us, it's because of the regulation here in Israel. And some of the times in terms of risk tolerance that the banking industry has or not with respect to the crypto uh, market. So I think regulatory environment or regulatory uh, boundaries, it's, it's, it differs between different use cases in, in, in different areas. I know you mentioned the government can be quite slow, but from the outside, right. it seems like the Israeli government is maybe kind of leading on their exploration of digital assets. Like there, there's been well, yes, yeah. discussion of a, yeah. a central bank <laughs> issued digital currency. I've read about a pilot project that has some government bonds potentially being issued right. on Definitely. chain. Project Ta- Adam. Yeah. T- t- tell us more about that project. Yeah, so Project Aden is, is a very nice and, and cool use case. It's basically a Ministry of Finance here in Israel is issuing, well, it's a POC now, so it's not live yet, but it's together with the Israeli Stock Exchange. They're doing a project together to issue a governmental bond on a blockchain, on EVM technology and in both ways so in the in the one hand you have a digital bond and in the other side you will have digital shekel and the idea is to clear atom transactions using smart contracts so it's a really cool and nice way to explore blockchain technology to improve the traditional financial industry here in Israel and it's a good path that the government is going especially around the, the technology so we always split our discussions between blockchain and crypto because crypto involves also other tokens and digital assets and stuff like that, while blockchain is more about using the technology to improve current process or traditional one. In the case of the government bond being issued on chain, my understanding is, is at least in the pilot, it's a private chain. But I've heard discussions that maybe in the future, they're open to enabling some sort of bridge out to, say, the Ethereum network. Yeah, definitely. The idea is to set up the ground for other future use cases and to open the network to other players. And as you mentioned, to, to create bridges. And also, this involves today 12 different players, like all the very global and local banks I can share with you the list is very impressive list of entities that are connected to this pilot so definitely it's possessed the israeli market in a, in a good place comparing to other places around the world now talk a little bit about the cbdc project i think this is interesting we've had the ceo of nami on the podcast before who their company is doing work in norway and a few other places on a platform they've built specifically for cbdc's and it seems like the discussion I've observed around CBDCs is between retail and wholesale. Meaning, as a citizen, can I put a digital shekel or a digital dollar in a, a wallet, you know, on my phone maybe, and buy things at the store with it? Or is it really a mechanism to improve the clearing and settlement process between a bank and the central bank? You know, more of a wholesale rather than retail function. I'm curious, what's the perspective in, in Israel? And is it both one or neither? So I think a couple of things. I think definitely the second. I think there is a lot of interest here in Israel and lots of work is done how to improve the payment mechanism here in in Israel and the way payments are, are working. More immediate 
and more faster payments. First of all, locally and maybe in the future globally also. But I think in terms of the government, like there is the Ministry of Finance plans to the 2024 and into the future. And I don't think the Israel government put any limits who will issue the digital shekel. So it gave the option, it could be Bank of Israel, but it can also be traditional financial institutions like any bank here in Israel or any other reputational company that want to issue the digital shekel. And definitely, I think in the future, we will see one or two at least of the banks here in Israel that are issuing digital shekel because everyone understands. And I think yesterday there was something in, in Hong Kong that was published to urge the government to issue a digital Hong Kong dollar to compete the USDC. And I think everyone understands that all the valuable benefits that there are with digital currency. So I don't know if you will wait to the government or Bank of Israel to issue the digital shekel, but definitely it will come from other local companies or banks that yeah. will issue that. We've seen that happen in Australia. I think National Australia Bank was the first one, NAB, to issue an Australian dollar stablecoin, which is available, I think, on chain in kind of a limited capacity right now, but they've got plans to expand. I'm curious mm-hmm. how you think about a bank-issued currency versus government-issued versus, say, third party like Circle coming in and having a shekel-denominated version of, of oh, their stable. Believe point. me, I am on board. If Circle yeah. wants to come to Israel to issue yeah. a shekel, yeah. <laughs> that could be great. Maybe it will move faster. Um, <laughs> but I think the banking industry here in Israel, there is lots of trust in the industry. And most of the payments or all of them are going through the banking system in Israel. So it's only natural that they will issue the digital shekel. I think the cost of clearing all the payments here in Israel, especially we have a few apps like Beats and Paybox, the operational costs are very expensive. So I think anything that can help reduce those costs, definitely something that they are thinking of. And I think one of the ways to improve the payment system is definitely through blockchain and all those different technologies. Well, that's going to be exciting to watch. Changing topics a little bit, you recently posted on LinkedIn an analysis of Department of Treasury had put out guidance around illicit finance and the role that DeFi plays or doesn't play in in that. I'm curious, start with broad perspective on DeFi and then maybe talk about some of the opportunities that you see as you're doing advisory work for your clients. Is DeFi something that you encourage them to be exploring and getting into? Is it something that you see as being potentially too risky? Where, Where do you fall? I do believe in the technology, like smart contracts is definitely the future. I'm doing repo transactions between banks, so it only makes sense that the entire interaction will be on the smart contract. What I think about DeFi protocol, I think now in the interest rate market, there is a slowdown because people are not getting the same rates that they used to get in different protocols. And the understanding that at the end of the day, investors want to meet their money and the way it's structured today aml and other compliance issues that are with DeFi, it's kind of a burden or put some limit to bring more and more people to this industry so i know in israel like there is a lot of tolerance for crypto investors if they invested in crypto and they want to meet their money so as long it was not in DeFi protocols that's fine but once people are getting into the DeFi, it's causing a lot of added 
mistake and a lot of issues in terms of the banking system. Is that concern primarily because you don't have a KYC program on the, yeah, the DeFi exactly. protocol? Yeah, exactly. We're working with a lot of DeFi companies that have their own smart contracts and doubt apology and stuff like that. So you want investors. You want to do business with traditional industry. You want people to get more and more and to create more traffic on the protocol. And there is an understanding today that if I want all of those together, like if I want a private equity to invest in me, and we are working with a lot of private equity that specialize in the crypto industry. So they want to know that the investor's money is in well invested and the protocol or the company knows what they are doing and not interact with illicit activity. So if you are not doing anything that relate to compliance, it can cause a lot of issues to your investors, to your clients, to your partners. So, And I think today there is a lot of understanding from those companies that they need to do more. And I don't say to be regulated or to come knock on the regulator door and say, well, I want to be regulated. I want to get a license. What should I do? But there is a lot of things you can do from the place they are today to to be fully regulated. And it's definitely risk management, how to manage your risk and track what type of wallet address you are interact with and what liquidity pools you are interact with. Different story, different angles. And I know that most of those companies know how to do, how to manage their risk. Yeah, it, it seems to me like we're in this moment where the last few years has actually proven the DeFi concept. Like this idea that we can clear billions of dollars through this smart contract system. I think if someone had pitched that to me five or seven years ago, I would have been highly skeptical. I'm like, that just right. doesn't make sense. <laughs> You know, there's, there's a reason all these intermediaries in the financial system exist. It's kind of, you know, safeguards effectively on transfer of funds at scale. And through all the turmoil that the crypto industry has seen, like DeFi has performed, I think, amazingly well. We haven't seen any protocols breaking or massive loss of funds. I think security is probably an area where we're still in the maturing phase. But it, it really does seem to come down to this situation of regulation and particularly around protection against co mingling of funds with illicit activity. Like nobody on the institutional side wants to have their money sitting alongside a criminal because the penalty for that is just too high or, or a sanctioned individual, right? Where there's sort of strict criminal liability, like there's zero tolerance for that is what I've observed in the traditional financial services industry. And so it feels like there's a market opportunity for a protocol to be able to solve some of this this problem case where they have the right technology layer. It's been implemented in a useful way. If they can get the client's piece figured out, I feel like there's a, a ton of institutional demand that's kind of pent up waiting for that solution to exist. I, I don't know if you agree. Definitely. There are some difficulties. Like I don't imagine any of our clients starting to do KYC on the people that connect to the protocol. So definitely that's one of the issues because that's break the entire idea behind blockchain and the anonymism and stuff like that. So I, I think there is a path and we're talking only AML, but a lot of the DeFi protocols, they also need to be concerned from market abuse and the fraud act and all those things 
that it's very important for your investors and clients and anyone that connect to your protocol and work with your protocols. So it's not only AML, but there are other illegal things you need to consider and you need to monitor. We see a lot of companies that arise to provide cyber solutions to different protocols, how to detect any fraudulent activity on the protocol, because reputation is everything for the protocols. Once you were bridged, once you were announced to be supporting illegit activity, no one will work with you. Most of the monitoring systems will define you as a red or yellow protocol, and everyone knows what red category inch analysis stands for. So, <laughs> and we are doing a lot of crypto investigations, funds DD, and I know that every time we are investigating on the analysis tool, if we see the protocol is defined as illicit, it's a no-go for us. And I think... <laughs> One of the things that are important for a protocol is to be considered as a legit or low-level risk so people can invest more and more. Exactly. I think crossing that chasm to legitimacy is what has to happen to unlock the next level of growth in that industry. We have a client, we will not mention any names here on the call. They are working with a DAO philosophy and they have a full understanding that they need to have AML policy, AML procedures, and everything that they can do in order to manage any financial crime risk. It's so important for them because they have 50 people on the other side building that are working to develop their protocol and no one wants that everything will go away just because you didn't do the things you should do or the minimum things you should do. Separate topic. Recently, Tel Aviv Stock Exchange laid out a framework that allows regulated exchange members to start offering crypto brokerage services. <laughs> I, I was going to ask, is this a big deal? There was some kind of a regulatory arbitrage here in Israel. Banks in Israel were allowed to provide this type of services to their clients as long as Bank of Israel and the banking supervisor is saying it's okay. Like they need to pre-approve the service. The Capital Market Authority issued terms and conditions how to be licensed to provide this type of services and the last piece of the capital market or the financial industry in Israel was the Israeli stock exchange members that provide investments and brokerage services to their clients. They were left aside. So for them to offer this type of services, they had to get the Israeli stock exchange approval for doing that. And for that, they had to change the entire agreement and uh, regulations for them to do so. So we as KPNG worked together with the Israeli stock exchange and the stock exchange members what is the best way with minimum risk to start moving the market to a place that clients can buy hold and sell crypto through the stock exchange members so it's buy hold and sell this was actually going to yeah, be my and next it's in a closed loop so you can buy from your broker and you can sell it you cannot move the digital assets from your broker to your private wallet so it's on a way yeah it it's... will be there yeah definitely will get there <laughs> Step one on a on a step journey. one, yeah, yeah, zero point five. I was going to ask. We just had CEO of of Wonderfy, Dean Skirka, and the CEO of Figment, right. Lorian Gabel, on the podcast last week, and they have just launched a regulated staking service in Canada, which is kind of amazing, right? When you contrast right. it to yeah, what's happening in the United States, they drew some important considerations, I think, when talking about protocol or network staking versus some of the things they often get referred to as staking that are really borrow land or interest bearing type accounts. 
But where do those things fall? Everything from network protocol staking in terms of being allowed in, in the Israeli yeah, So definitely market. we're not there yet. Okay. Definitely. So the licenses that we have here in Israel as of today, all of them are by old sale without any yield products. Definitely not staking. And I believe that in the future we will be there, but it's taking time. Like regulators need to understand more and more about this specific market. The risk, the technologies. And I have to say that everything that is going on now in the US, it's making our life not that easy because Israeli regulators and the entire traditional industry here in Israel is always looking to the US. And the issues or barriers that are becoming more and more often in the US causing our market a lot of issues and drawback a lot of the movement that we had until now. Well, but there, there is maybe some light at the end of the tunnel because I, I look to Europe where uh, Mika seems to be making good progress and it seems to be setting, I think, very reasonable standards and rules on some parts of the crypto industry. And I see Middle East, specifically in Dubai, with the creation of VARA and kind of the welcoming of the crypto industry into that market. Is that having any positive influence for Israel? And, and maybe generally, what are your thoughts on those two areas of the world? So we see a lot of movement from companies that in the past asked or wanted to work in the US, now moving more and more through Europe and Asia. So definitely there is a change in the way the Israeli market is working now. We see a lot of companies that work very hard for their bit license and not actively work with, with the license. Going back to the last question about the Israeli stock exchange, one of the things that the Israeli stock exchange put is that any Israeli company or institutions that want to work in the crypto space that is working with a third party should work with a third party with a bit license. But the problem is now that a lot of those companies have regulatory issues and we need now to convince the Israel Stock Exchange to move some of the terms to third parties in Europe. So it's causing us changes, but definitely we see a lot of movement through Europe and also Dubai. There is a huge market in the Emirates and we see a lot of movements also from, from the companies to those markets and those uh, countries. It seems like the classic tension between kind of innovation and job creation against, you know, concerns about individual investor risk, as well as, as this kind of crime and illicit activity, which I know that recently KPMG and Chainalysis got together and hosted a roundtable discussing terrorist financing. And then there was this huge news that came out last week where, where Israel government was able to shut down a cryptocurrency terrorist financing network that had been funding Hamas and some of the groups operating out of Iran. Was that a big deal? With respect to the Hamas and all those issues, I, I think yes and no. Definitely yes, because it's see that if you want to investigate, to capture and to avoid any criminal activity, terrorist activity using the crypto or blockchain, you can avoid it. So there are some tools today. It's not like in the past. Any terrorist could transfer funds from the one end to the other. So it's good news in terms of the capabilities that we have to if not allowed or to manage the risk. The other thing is 
Well, I have to say well-known because people in Israel, like the traditional ones and all those low-risk savvies that sitting in, in, in front of their paper or television see that terrorists use Bitcoin to uh, launder or to move funds. Although it was only 1.7 million, it's such a small amount. Like it came from banking investigations, like criminal investigations that were done by DOJ or SEC that relate to AML and comparing it to other other use cases or other cases, investigations that there were in the global banking market, it's such a small amount of money. It's like nothing to compare. So I think there are some good ways to look at that and some not that good. Depend who is reading the article. That's right. <laughs> I think it's often crypto gets a bad reputation because no one says, oh, criminals have used dollars or shekels to do their crime. Therefore, it's the dollars or shekels that are bad. It's the criminals that are bad. But I think in this case, we have a new technology. And so the technology catches some of the blame. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. La last question for you as we wrap sure. up is kind of like, what's on the horizon for you? As you get to talk to regulators around the world, you're talking to central banks, you get to work with DeFi companies and, and traditional finance uh, organizations coming into the space. Like, what do you see, you know, coming in the future? And I know it's hard to predict too far out in the in the world of crypto, but as far out as you're comfortable going, I'm curious on your yeah. few missions. My first missions is to bring all the KPMG members to the place that we are now. That's one of my goals, like for the next three years. And I'm a believer of everything that relate to the technology. Definitely believe that banks and the traditional financial institution definitely will use smart contracts and digital currency in the future. I don't see any other ways. Payments is one of the hot topics and you see what lightning technology can do for payments and it's just a matter of time until we will get there. Like I know that a lot of traditional companies that are working in South America already use digital currencies and the adoption of digital currency will be more and more. And I have a vision like 24-7 digital assets, digital stocks, to digital any stocks, they're regular stocks that are in, in the market and digital currency and to bring all of those together in, in one umbrella, in one exchange that will be working on smart contract that definitely from my perspective will be the future. That's amazing. We need to do an episode on on Lightning Network. I think there's been some Definitely. quite a few companies have come on the scene in the last year that are doing interesting things on Lightning, and it's uh, and also here in Israel we have Breeze is doing wonderful things in in Lightning. Outstanding, Yossi. This has been hugely informative. Thanks so much for taking the time with us thank today. Thank you. Thank you very I appreciate much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. Hey there. Thanks for listening to another episode. Our team's been working hard to make our content available on all the major platforms. So right now, take out your phone, head over to your favorite social media app. You can subscribe to our new TikTok, our revamped YouTube. You can sign up for our LinkedIn newsletter. And of course, follow us on Twitter or Telegram. Just search for at Chainalysis. Now, before you go, I've got a huge announcement. One of our primary goals at Chainalysis is to support every blockchain and every interaction. Today, layer twos and rollups are driving force for the blockchain scalability, leading to the proliferation of new chains and many more in development in 2023. So I'm proud to announce that our research and development team recently launched a next generation data platform to advance this every chain, every interaction vision. And it will allow us to 
better support our customers when it comes to onboarding speed for new chains, token coverage, and address clustering speed. To get the full story and see what other features in the new platform and the value they'll unlock for the industry, just click the link that's included in the show notes.